You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com. Oh, off and running on this Saturday, July 3rd. How you doing? Yes, do not adjust your radio. This is the Dave Rothenberg Show, but it is I, Gordon Damer, filling in for Dave. Uh, on this Saturday morning, as I did uh, during the week uh, on DCR, big holiday weekend. Lots of stuff lined up for today. Doesn't seem like the weather's going to hold up, though, huh? Who has ordered this weather? Yikes. And I love July 4th. To me, biggest holiday in the best season of the year, right? Summer is the best season. I know people, oh, I love the fall. No, you don't. N- nobody actually loves the fall. You like late summer. That's what you like. You like September when it doesn't get above 80 degrees. Actual fall is like 45 degrees, rain every other day, and it's dark outside by like 4.30. That's the fall. You love, Everybody loves the summer. So, uh, and July 4th, big shindig at the Damer House. And luckily, I'm working right now, but just between you and I, my wife is under the impression the Dave Rothenberg show runs until like 4.30 p.m., <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to hang in the basement by myself. So, look, we got a lot of stuff to do. Hopefully you are having a fun and safe July 4th. And you know what I mean, right? Be careful tomorrow. It happens every year. You see the news reports on July 5th with that headline. You don't want to be that guy. Don't be the guy in the headline. Man injured in freak fireworks accident. I don't know if freak accident is the right term there. You know, holding a Roman candle in your mouth. I don't know if you can if you consider that a freak accident if something goes wrong. So, look, don't be that guy this July 4th. If for no other reason than the knowledge, I will laugh at you. If, if, the, if you end up in one of those headlines, I will laugh at you. All right, uh, of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. And, of course, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, right here until noon but if you pop into my, you know, if you bump into my wife at the store or out and, out and about, uh, certainly just tell her the show goes until 4.30. But we do have a big show lined up for you today. We'll do some football because it is that time, people. 68 days. 68 days until the NFL is back. And I saw a tweet. I can't remember where I saw it. This month, July, is the last month without real NFL you know, training camp, games, whatever, until March of 2022. 2021's half over already. So, yeah, that, that's fantastic. If you love the NFL, and who does? I mean, how could you not love the NFL? So we'll get into that today. We'll touch on the NBA, uh, you know, obviously all the Shohei Otani stuff. We'll see if he hits a home run during uh, the, sh- the course of the show today, which, again, runs until 430. But we have to start with the Subway Series. Mets and Yankees rained out last night. And I have to think... I have to think today's not looking all that great, right? I mean, Apple, the the iPhone app for the weather, it is the most unreliable app. I mean, the day and age that we live, you'd think that at some point they would fix that. But uh, it doesn't seem like the weather is looking all that great today. So we'll see if they are actually able to get a game in. And here's the deal. Subway Series, Mets, Yankees, you can have that conversation. Who is this more important for? Who are these games more needed for? And there's no question that right now the Mets are uh, the better team. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I hate to admit it, and it's partly because they put together a less flawed team than the Yankees, and it's also partly because they play in the worst division in baseball. I mean, the, the National League East, for all the conversation before the year, wow, what a deep division, man. Four teams are just going to be going at it. The Mets start the day with a run differential of negative three. And they are sitting in first place. So the National League East has been terrible, and the Mets have taken advantage of that, dealing with all the injuries that they've had to deal with. And look, credit to them. You can only play the teams that you're scheduled to play. Nobody's going to, uh, you know, take away the division title because, again, the National League East is that bad. But um, you do have to point it out. So good for the Mets that they have been the best of the bad bunch of the National League East. But I hate to say it, Sorry for the Mets, or, and sorry to Mets fans. When it comes to issues, concerns, compelling content for a radio show, topics of conversation, they really cannot compete with what the Yankees are trotting out there day after day. I mean, when it comes to issues and problems and things that you have to talk about, boy, oh boy, every day with the Yankees, it's something else. 
every day the manager says something, the season's on the line. We have a very high compete level right now. The GM the other day said we suck right now. The team goes out, blows us. They score seven runs in the first inning and blow the game anyway while everybody went to sleep because of all the rain delays. The owner comes out of hiding to say we all deserve blame, but mostly the play, mostly them. Yes, we are all in this together, but if you want to point a finger, point it at those guys over there. So, look, it was quite the week in the Bronx. And for a Yankee team, I know it's probably about 25 years ago now, the movie, uh, as good as it gets, the Yankees could make the remake and it would be as bad as it gets because this week was absolutely brutal. And at least the last two days have been probably the high point of the week because you didn't even play. So whoever made that call to rain out the last two games, uh, bravo, my man. You, <laughs> hats off to you. But of course, unfortunately, even when they don't play games, there's things that pop up because you had Hal Steinbrenner come out. And uh, after the, the manager, obviously, is the point man day after day, he answers questions. And then you had Brian Cashman come out for a second time. That even been a third time. That's how bad things have gotten. Usually the, the, the GM will come out when things are bad and you hope things turn around after the first time he speaks or the second time he speaks. But no, things have been so bad for the Yankees that Cashman has come out multiple times now to show support for the manager, to say that we're all in this together, and that as players, the players have to be the ones that pick it up. And that was kind of part of Hal's comments the other day. So let's hear from Hal Steinbrenner saying, yeah, we're all in this together, but it's mostly on the players. Myself, Cashman, Boone, the coaches, I mean, we're, we're responsible, right? I mean, we're, we're in charge. So at some level, we're responsible for what's going on. But make no mistake about it. My opinion, the majority of the responsibility, whether it's the responsibility of, of inconsistent offense or bad base running, et cetera, that responsibility lies with the players. They're the ones on the field right? Uh, they're a group of very talented professional athletes that are playing this game at the highest level in the world. They need to fix this problem. They need to fix the problem because everyone, including our fan base, rightfully so, has had enough, quite frankly. It's enough. And they know that. And, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing them say that. They're taking it seriously. They had a team-only meeting a couple days ago, which in my opinion is always the best type of meeting. Uh, peers holding other peers accountable is, in my belief, the most effective type of meeting that can that can occur. But we all can share the blame, but the majority of the blame lies with them. <laughs> that is, there you go. That's some great leadership there. Yes, we're all in this together, but mostly those guys over there, it's on them. And, and look, I, I will grant how this yes it's players that win game it's players that lose games it's not managers it's not owners true but in fairness the players did not pick themselves it's not like there were a bunch of guys standing around outside yankee stadium and someone said hey guys you want to come inside and play no 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 it's the gm who picked the players the players did not put together the all right-handed lineup essentially the players didn't go out this offseason and put together a rotation where three guys, 60% of the rotation, really, essentially, did not pitch at all last year. And it's not on the players. It's not the players that decided to cut payroll for an organization that presents themselves as being different, as it's all about winning here. So that, that, that one's not on the players either. Yes, the players do need to play better. You have a list of guys, right? We go through it all the time. And I'm sure over the course of this show, which runs until 4.30, uh, we, will, we will hammer each, an indiv each uh, individual performance. But that's to skirt blame if you're the owner saying, yes, it's about the players turning things around. So let's start at the beginning. Because what you got out of Hal Steinbrenner's comments the other day were not so much answers to the questions that he was being asked as much as the question that we have kind of asked. And it's been lying here for a good portion of the season. And the question is, if the Yankees are going to play like they have played this year, what are they going to do to turn it around? Or are they, given the situation that they are in, just going to go down with the ship? Are they going to go out there and make this move or that move before the trade deadline? Will they trade for a center fielder? Will they go out and add to the rotation? Will they add payroll after making it clear in the offseason that the goal, the number one goal, was to get under the luxury tax threshold? Or are they resigned, 
smack dab in what seemed like it should be a win-now team, a, a window to win and go for a championship, go for a division title. Are they simply going to say, no, we have made our moves, and these are the moves, and this is the team, and if they don't turn it around, we're going to go down with the ship. Well, you got your answer. And it is number two. So I keep hearing and reading and people talking to me about what trades the Yankees can make, what moves that they can make, what are they going to do. They're not going to do anything. If you are a Yankee fan who still thinks that any major changes in terms of adding to this team after hearing from the owner the other day, Well, I would just simply like to ask you, what color is the sky where you live? It's not happening. They're not doing it. And it's funny because people will listen to some of the answers and will completely misconstrue what is being said. So Hal was asked during that uh, Zoom meeting about would the Yankees be willing to go past the luxury tax threshold. And I think the takeaway a lot of people are having is actually the complete opposite of what he said. So here is Hal Steinbrenner talking about whether or not the Yankees this season will make any moves to exceed the luxury tax threshold. Yeah, let me let me answer this. This is not a question I get much because we're normally always over it. But I, I, although I have a small track record, I do have a track record. And the answer to the question is any given year, there's a number of reasons it makes sense to be under that threshold. But I feel we're not good enough. We need another piece to be the championship caliber team that we want to be and expect to be. Then I'm going to seriously consider doing whatever I need to do. And I always use Tanaka signing all those years ago as an example. We were under the threshold at the beginning of the season. We were not good enough. I knew we weren't good enough. And we went ahead and signed Tanaka and, and went right through the threshold. So hopefully I've answered your question. But yes, I would absolutely consider if a piece comes up that I think is a good piece and, and that baseball ops thinks is a good piece and something we should do, I would absolutely consider doing it. Okay, so that tells you if that's all that needs to happen for him to consider it, well, then the answer is no. It's like when my kids ask me if uh, we can get another dog. Well, you know, if the perfect dog comes along and uh, we're, we happen to be uh, in that time period where we're looking for it, we will consider it. Mommy and daddy will absolutely consider it. No, it's not happening it's not happening after an offseason this is not a plan that came along in the last two weeks this has been the plan since last year Brian Cashman deserves plenty of blame for this year the bulk of the blame but his offseason his plans were made based on the fact that the team was reducing payroll why else would they have traded Adam Adovino in what's not even a trade. It was just a salary dump. He was the highest paid expendable player that you had. So you took a reliever who strikes out 31% of right-handed batters and you traded him to a team in your division when you have a lineup that features almost exclusively right-handed batters. Why do you think that the targets for the rotation were Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone? Why do you think Rugnit Odor is here? So if your takeaway after hearing Hal Steinbrenner lay out all the things that need to happen for him to consider whether or not to exceed the luxury tax threshold, if your takeaway from that is, well, yeah, it could still happen. (laughs) I would just like to know what color is the sky where you live? It's not going to happen. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, look, we've got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of focus on the New York Yankees. Um, we'll, we'll get more from, from Hal's comments uh, the other day and uh, how, at least now, you, you know the deal. And if you're a Yankee fan, you know the deal. This is the team, and they have to turn it around on their own. And there are no changes coming. There's nobody coming to save you. And it's about this team turning it around. But at this point, I think it's almost unfair to expect that this team is going to turn it around considering you played half the games and this is what you got. So the question that has been out there is, well, look, the Yankees aren't very good. So maybe it makes sense for how don't spend good money after bad 
if this is what you're going to get. So we'll answer that coming up. And look, there's a lot of stuff to get through with the Yankees. And we'll take your phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And with Hal Steinbrenner coming out and saying what he did, uh, and he can put it on the players because, again, as I said, players win games, players lose games. But, you know, during the week, Michael Kay on his show said something very interesting. And look, I think that the primary person to blame, clearly, when you take a look at the team, the organization, is Brian Cashman. He's the guy running the entire show. So if the show is bad, it's on him, right? For all the blame that we put on Aaron Boone, why is Aaron Boone here? Brian Cashman picked him. We're going to go about the players. Oh, this guy's not playing. That guy's not playing. Well, John Carlos stands at the DA. All these different things. It's clearly on Brian Cashman. But he's not the only person to blame. And there is an area of blame when it comes to Hal Steinbrenner. Because people will say, well, look, Gordon, they're, they're spending the money that they're spending. They're not being cheap. They're spending over $200 million. That should be enough. And what do you want them to do? Just spend good money after bad? Well, here's the thing. You've spent what you've spent, right? And this is the team that you have. You can't go back now and spend less. You can't go from where you are right now. Like if 210 or whatever they're at, 208, gets you a team that's two games over 500. Well, you're already spending that money, so do you want to just keep going with, you know the first option. That's set. This team is not good enough. The second, second option, now that's, that's open-ended. You might spend more money, and it might not matter. There might be too many holes to fill and not enough money to go around. Even if you spent 250 But what makes it glaring is that this is a win-now team. This is not the up-and-coming Yankees of four years ago. So, and, and the Yankees, this is the Yankees, the championship or bust. If we don't win a World Series, it's a disappointment. The chase for 28 and all those other things. So in the midst of a win-now period, they prioritized payroll over winning. And there's no debate about that. So, you, yeah, you could say, yeah, well, they shouldn't have to spend 250 they, You know, they should be able to be under the luxury tax threshold. Okay, fine. But they carry themselves in the things that Hal himself says presents the Yankees as being different, being better than all these different other organizations. So that's the reason why you have, um, you have issues with it. And during, uh, I say, I was going to get into the point about Michael's show the other day, I think it was Thursday. He said that during the winter, the Yankees were pitched on both Kyle Schwarber and Michael Brantley, but did not pursue them because they would not have been able to fit them in under the budget that they had. And as much blame as you want to put on Brian Cashman, and rightfully so, and maybe 95% of it, you can't tell me that under any other circumstances, if the money was there, that he would not have pursued either or Kyle Schwarber or Michael Brantley. Schwarber, I mean, when the Yankees made the deal, what was it, 2017? where they traded away Chapman and they got Glaber Torres, when it first kind of popped up the possibility of them trading away and, and selling before the deadline, I guess that was 2016, right? Yeah, I think it was 2016. Um, when it first came up that, the, you know, hey, the Cubs might be interested, as soon as that came up, the name Kyle Schwarber came up and it was, shot, it was quickly shot down. Well, no, the Cubs are not going to trade Schwarber, but there's this guy, Glaber Torres, and all that type of stuff. So Brian Cashman has wanted Kyle Schwarber for a very long, he's the hitting version of, uh, of Garrett Cole. Like, that, that's a guy's name that has been mentioned time and time again as a target of Brian Cashman. And Michael Brantley, to me, Michael Brantley would have been the perfect guy to go add. Because Schwarber, uh, he's had a fantastic season. I think he got hurt last night. But he's been on fire. And a perfect, a perfect counterpoint to the Yankees' case of, well, hot and cold, doesn't, that doesn't exist, hot and cold. Oh, really? Oh, oh, really, my friend? Well, I would like to present my case, and that would be Kyle Schwarber, because certainly seems like he's been pretty hot. I don't know. Seems like, you know, he hits a home run every other day. I don't know. It seems like he's on a hot streak. I'm sure that's just happenstance, right? I'm sure, I'm sure it's just it's not really what's going on. But Brantley would have been the guy, because Brantley... He's coming. He was coming off, you know, a typical Michael Brantley year. Schwarber really struggled last year. That's why the Cubs did not bring him back. And Brantley was not just another um, kind of 
slugger, non-athlete. I mean, Brantley can move a little bit, and he's not just a slugger. He's a guy with a high uh, on-base percentage. You know, he'll slug in his high 400s, 500s. He's not necessarily a power hitter, but obviously is another uh, left-handed bat. So those two, those aren't on Cashman as much as those ones are on Hal. So for Hal to come out and say, yeah, you know, we're in charge, but the blame, that goes with the players. That one uh, I can't uh, can't buy. Sorry. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls involved, shall we? Let's start off with uh, Eric is in Queens. Eric, you're first up on ESPN New York. Good morning, um, Dan, right? That's the name from saying it right? Gordon. My name is Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Gordon, Gordon, yeah. Yes, um, yeah, I had a question. Well, I should say two questions. Okay. For one, um, on the K show, as we brought up a few minutes ago, that's, that's what I was going to bring up to you. I agree with what K was saying. I mean, they they did say, Steinbrenner saying so, the, the problems on the players, but somebody from the office got to take the blame. I mean, come oh, on. You absolutely. Somebody from the office got to take the blame. No, I mean, look, uh, the, there, there is a blame to go with the players. There are plenty of players who you expected to perform who are not. I mean, first case in point would be Glaber Torres. Uh, Clint Frazier mm-hmm. clearly would be one. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of guys if we want to run down the list of guys. But you can't put it on the players in terms of the construction of the team. And there is absolutely a part of the team this is not a team that you would say, looking at even what the payroll is, 208, 210, that this is a complete yeah. team. No, absolutely. And then let's go back to, was it, 2000, was it 2017 when they came close to going yes. into the World Series? Mm-hmm. Remember, Joe, Joe Girani, I mean, at least he got them that far. They came close to going to the World Series. Then the next year, you get rid of him and bring in this guy now. So then where was the Yankees at doing this new guy coming? What was, that? what was that was again? That? Say that last part again. Okay, when um when Joe Girardi yeah no when Joe Girardi came in yeah he came close to bringing um remember he came yes you know, Joe Girardi was there the Yankees was good when Joe Girardi was there yes 2017 remember he came close to bringing him to the World yes. Series but they got remember they got bumped by the Houston yeah, Astros right but that instead of making Joe Girardi come back the next year they bring in this guy so then now you bring in this guy now and get rid of Joe Girardi now the Yankees is like a different team. Well, look, Eric, I mean, they, they have had good, uh, good regular seasons with Aaron Boone, and Eric, thanks for the phone call. Um, but, and look, maybe Girardi would not have gotten them any closer than what they already got. I thought it was a mistake at the time. You get to within a game of the World Series, but you are trusting at that point that Brian Cashman has a better field from the inside than what it would seem to fans or media from the outside. But part of what the reasoning that was given at the time was that Boone's demeanor was going to allow the players to be them, their, their best selves, right? Girardi was too hard-charging, too you know, in-your-face every single day, and they needed somebody who was going to uh, connect with the players better, uh, uh, I guess it's kind of an emotional way, and, and keep them and keep their spirits up or, or whatnot. He's not going to be overly critical. He's not going to rip them publicly. Not that Girardi really ripped anybody publicly, um, but that has not, that's not been the case. If you would have went back, and, and this is not really even debatable now. It wasn't really debatable then, but if you went back to 2017 and you told Brian Cashman or you told Yankee fans that we'll be sitting here in 2021, and not only will the Yankees not have won a World Series, they will not even have been close to the World Series as they were with Girardi. Well, then obviously the move was a mistake. Obviously the move was a, mis- a mistake. There's no other real way to put it. Uh, let's go out to Brian. Brian's in the car. Brian, what's going on? Good morning, Gordon. Uh, just to back what the last guy said, I- I'm just so frustrated. How they, they call their players-only meeting. Who was running that meeting? Because whatever they did didn't spark anybody. <laughs> Aaron Judge. I don't know. Have they have they had a game though since the players only meeting? I yeah. After Otani, when 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 Judge sat out against when Otani was pitching. Oh, that was the day they had it. Okay, right. You have to demand to play. You know, us regular people. What Girardi was too tough. How did it work out? Boone's coddling them. Face it, guys. You professional athletes, you're gonna get yelled at. I just got up the night shift. I got yelled at all night. I can't take a day off and day after just like the rest of us. It's ridiculous. Let them start taking some accountability. And, and, and I think we should, never should have got rid of, of Girardi. 
He was in your face. Yeah, look at the difference. It's basically the same roster. It just it, what Boone's coddling them. They're, they're professional athletes. It drives me crazy. Yeah, well, call. look, Brian, and thanks for the phone call. The, the, the decision the other day um, to rest judge when they did, when you knew, even at that point, you knew there was a very good possibility the following day was going to be a rayon. You knew for sure that Monday you were not going to play. And the manager just said the day before, season's on the line. Now's the time. We got to get moving. It, it's Guys, we got to do it now. Wait a second. I need, I need, to, I need a day. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it makes – I don't think that that's a Boone decision. Clearly, that's a front office decision. So that makes it look terrible there. Boone is the one that has to take a hit for it, but that's the job. He knew the job when he came in. But it also makes Judge look terrible. How Judge does not go to the, the manager, to whoever, and say, guys, there's no way I'm sitting out this game. We, I, I got to play. It makes him look bad. Absolutely. Absolutely it makes him look bad. And this is not about, you know, I know the, the take for a lot of people, well, this is a magical moment for baseball. It's Otani, it's Judge. This is must-see TV. All the, That's not really. It's about you just said. You just said it's crisis time, right? We got to start winning games. And then the next day, essentially, you're saying, well, you know what? He needs a day off. We need to rest him. We need to get him off his feet. Very, very odd. And, and look, the Yankees, it looked for a little while there like they were going to get lucky, right? They go out and they scored the seven runs in the first inning, and it really wasn't anything they did. It was that Otani just couldn't – I think he walked four guys. He hit another guy. Like, it wasn't like a bunch of loud contact that they hit a three-run home run. It was just that Otani was terrible. He gave up seven runs in the first inning. And uh, you, you thought, all right, look, at least we're going to get lucky for a change. And then that luck ran out. And to me, the Yankees got exactly what they deserved in that spot. Because they, they it, 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 what frustrates you is a lot of times it's like the Yankees like to think that they're way smarter than everybody else. And I think that that is part of their problem when it comes to the Rays. They like to do, like, why did they do the thing last year with Happ and David Garcia? You don't think that that was a little bit of like, let's, let's show everybody just how smart we are. Well, how'd that work out? one 800 espn is the telephone number. We'll get back to the phones in a second. And I keep hearing um, every once in a while, look, when the Yankees are bad, and, and maybe it's because it's really been a long time since they've been bad, that the, the immediate emotion is not, it's not confusion, it's not disappointment, it's anger. There's always anger because you go into a season with expectations. Those expectations are not even remotely met. You're going to get ticked off. Hey, wait a second, I was expecting this. And I'm getting that. So, yeah, I get why there, there's anger. But that anger manifests itself in a way so that when the Yankees are this bad, there's a lot of, well, we got to blow it up. It's time to blow it up. The Yankees got to blow it up. And that means, I, I would think, you, you're, you're going to back up the truck and, and move major pieces off of the team. The problem with that is, if you take a look at the way the Yankees are constructed— they have like six or seven guys who are really locked in. And then they have a bunch of guys who are not making all that much money. So when you say blow it up, I think what you're saying is you're going to fundamentally change the, um, the fabric of the team. And I just don't think you can do that with this Yankee team. Clearly Cole's not going anywhere. Not that you'd really want him to go anywhere. Um, Stanton is not going anywhere. Nope. You knew that when you took that contract that he is going to be here for a very long time. Um, DJ LeMayu, you just signed him. Now Chapman is interesting because he's got one year left and he has really struggled. So maybe when you get to the trade deadline, if the Yankees are still sitting in roughly the same area that they're at, (laughs) Brian Cashman saying, well, you know, if we sink like a stone, we might be sellers. Dude, you're in fourth place. There's not much room. What room is there to sink like a stone? I don't think they're going to, even as bad as they've been, I don't think they're going to all of a sudden overtake uh, the Baltimore Orioles, who essentially are not even trying. So uh, that's the problem with, you know, the idea of, hey, we got to blow it up. There's just not many pieces. The, The one piece that at least is an interesting thought experiment is Aaron Judge. Judge is still a couple of years away from getting paid major money. He's still, I mean, even now he's only he's only making ten million bucks. That's not all that much. Uh, when you take a look at the Yankees, who are making significant money, 
either they're locked in for forever or there's not a lot of value in them. You know, Aaron Hicks is making $10 million. Is there a big market for Aaron Hicks? I don't think so. So when you say blow it up, um, I just don't see how you can really do that because to say that, you're saying you're really going to fundamentally change the, the group of players. And, and they're guys, yeah. I mean, there's decisions to make every season. And, and if the Yankees keep going the way that they are, yeah, there's areas that they're going to have to fix. They're going to have to find someone who can play center field on a, on a regular basis, right? I think the days of, of trusting Aaron Hicks to stay healthy are, are long past. And I think that there is something you're, you're going to have to have a conversation about what you're doing in the infield. You have to figure out what the heck has gone wrong with Glaber Torres. To me, that is the number one question long-term. How did this guy go from where he was to where he is now? I find it hard to believe that it's the baseball to this extent. I find it hard to believe that it's simply the position. You're telling me his defensive woes have taken him from one of the bright young stars of the game to essentially one of the worst, least productive hitters in Major League Baseball? Because that's what happened. You're telling me going from shortstop to uh, from second base to shortstop has made that much of an impact? Well, then by all means, get him back at second base today. If that's all it takes to get him back to where he was a couple of years ago, by all means, do that. But of course, if you do that, well, then you're going to have to make a decision at one of the corners, which one goes. Because if you're moving LeMahieu off second, you're either putting him at first or you're putting him at third. And I think you kind of like the two guys that you have there, but you're going to have to move one of them. You're going to have to move one of them. And that still doesn't even address really, unless you're finding a left-handed hitting shortstop, that doesn't even address the left-handed hitting aspect because you've got to get more left-handed bats. You've got to get a little bit more balance in the lineup. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to Spike, formerly of Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, and first of all, you did an outstanding job this week. I, I, it was I very agree. entertaining. Yes. No, I, I, you fit in beautifully. It was a really good radio. I appreciate yeah. it. It's entertaining me. Uh, years ago, there was an airline. You ever heard of Lufthansa Airlines? Of course. Lufthansa, okay. the flying tiger. Oh, sure. Right. Okay. So Lufthansa had a tagline. I'm getting somewhere with Cashman and Hal. Real quick story. So Lufthansa was overly friendly. You know, thank you for flying with Tonsa. So, so there's a flight, and this is all fictitious, and this is my analysis. And there's a flight, and they start to have trouble up in the 40,000 feet. One engine goes, the pilot announces, two, three, says, we have to make an emergency landing. And I think everybody who can survive in the water, go to the rear of the plane, will have help there within 30 minutes. I promise you it'll be fine. And for the rest of you who can't survive in the water, thank you for flying with Tonsa. I mean, that's what he said. Yep. He said nothing. No. He, he threw Well, he did. He didn't, he didn't give you the, the answers that people think he gave. He really didn't give. Right. Right. I mean, listen, it's always the player's fault, for God's sakes. The managers, the owners, uh, the scouts. I never saw one up at the plate with a bat or on the mound. So it's always the players. The team, you and I have been talking about this, and everyone I call – it, it, the team is constructed so poorly. Now, my theory would be it's about the simplest I could come up with. Your best infielder uh, is Urshela, you know, undoubtedly. All right? And then LeMayu's okay at a few positions. And after that play with Void at first base, I don't know what it is the other day when he waved at that throw. But neither there nor here. I would move Torres to second, move Urshela to short, and, and and put Boyd at first and keep LeMayu at third. That's the best you could do. You just don't have anybody. And my God, to go through a season, a half a season, with no first baseman, basically because of injuries, and no center fielder. And I feel for Brett Gardner because this is unfair to throw him under the bus. He didn't sign up to play every game. And, and there's no hitting there. And the pitching looks shaky. And Chapman is the biggest proponent of not getting that sticky stuff or a grip or not. He's going to kill someone up there one day if he can't grip the ball. Yeah, he, he's, been, uh, he's been bad. And Spike, thanks for the phone call. I mean, there's no, I thought it was going to be Cole. Clearly, he was the poster child, and he was for a while. But I don't think that you can discount how bad Chapman has looked here. Uh, from going from where he was, he's almost like Glaber Torres of pitching, but in the same season. I mean, he's gone from – Lights out, dominating, everybody, striking everybody out, pitching as well as he's ever pitched, I think, in the majors, not, less, not uh, even less than the Yankees. I mean, he's been, he was fantastic this season. And he has gone to a guy, I don't know how you trust him. I don't know how you put him back out there right now. 
I, I think it's going to be like the Yankees, you know, season in terms of, well, let's see what he got. Let, we'll go down with the ship. And the way he's performing right now, boy, you have, sir. I mean, I thought it could not get worse than the, the loss in Minnesota when he came in and it was base hit home run, base hit home run. That was, that was the beginning of the end for his season, at least so far, unless he turns this around. Sam is in Rockland. Sam, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, what's up? Regarding the Yankees, it's pretty simple. Uh, they need to reevaluate how they do business on the field. I mean, uh, paying players long-term contracts, you can't blame the players if they're pursuing seven years deal for over $100 million. They're going to get their money right. But if they only sign short-term deals, three years, $70 million, three, four years, $100 million, if you're going up to $300 million, you're going to get – screwed over on this Gary Cole deal easily. Now, regarding finding players, you saw the Royals in the past, now the Giants, now other teams like the Rays playing smart ball, playing money ball, whatever you want to call it, and that's what they need to do. I know it's not sexy, but it gets the job done. You get high draft picks, get guys like Al Leiter's son. You know, these are studs waiting on the high. Get Mike Trout, get all these players that, you know, are good and Maybe not pursue them in terms of long, long-term deals. Just try, just sign those short-term deals, you know? Yeah, well, the problem is, Sam, and thanks for the phone call, they already got some guys on long-term deals, right? <laughs> like, well, you know, we have to change the approach. Uh, well, Stanton's here forever. You know, Cole's here forever. So, uh, and before too long, uh, it's not uh, an, uh, an immediate issue right now. Judge is going to have to get paid, and you're going to have a decision to make there. So... Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of, of free agency. I never like going out and signing guys to, to super long deals because, you know, so much can change in even a two-year span. But it's a little it's a little late for that. And it's not like, you know, we, we can criticize Brian Cashman for the team that he has put together. It's not like there's a lot of other areas where the organization is doing great right now, right? Like the fact that you don't have someone in the organization who can come up and give you any level of production in center field is is shocking, right? The New York Yankees don't have someone that can come up, anyone. They didn't have anybody who could play first base. There was a time this season, and again, it all gets back to the offense. That's the, the major flaw with this Yankees team is they have not scored runs like they've expected to score runs. And there was a time this year where they no one in baseball got less production at first base and in center field. Center field's still the case. Now that Voight's back, at least you're getting some level of production. But outside of not playing anyone in those positions, the Yankees could not have been worse. And that's on Brian Cashman. So, yeah, I mean, Michael brought up the point beautifully the other day about, you know, where, where are your international free agent signings that, you know, it's great to hear about Jason Dominguez over and over again, but why is he the only guy I'm hearing about? And why is it that you're going through a season and the season's going down the tubes and we're seeing Brett Gardner in center field every single day. And I get Aaron Hicks got hurt, but it really shouldn't, it really shouldn't have to uh, have been a surprise that Aaron Hicks got hurt. I mean, got, the guy's always been hurt. He was hurt for, for almost his entire Yankee tenure outside of the one year where you decided to sign him to a seven-year contract. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that one was a disaster right from jump. You're hoping that Severino can get back here at some point and start to produce again. But those two contracts basically came up at the same time. And almost from the moment that they were signed, they were bad deals. And, and that's another thing from Hal. Like you're listening to Hal the other day. And one of the things that I wanted to hear going in was, all right, where is, where is the danger level for, for Cashman? Like, is he in actual trouble here? Or is this the type of thing that um, he's, he's going to float by? And after you saw or you, after you heard or read his comments from, from during the week, it's pretty clear. Like, do you think that Brian Cashman's in trouble? Because it seemed like Hal and Brian are walking in lockstep. It doesn't seem like even as bad as this year has been that there's going to be any major changes to the front office. He's pompous. Listen, shut up, and I'll tell you the story. He's arrogant. Do you think there's a lot of things out there that I wouldn't be good at? And sometimes he's downright mean. I know you know what that's like, to be that uncomfortable, pimply-faced, not very popular kid. (laughs) But now it's your chance to prove him wrong. It's 
dumb. Call 800-919-3776 with your question and let's stump Dave Rothenberg. And obviously Dave will not be getting any answers right today because he's not taking part in Stump Rothenberg. Dave, on vacation still. He'll be back Tuesday with uh, Chris and Rick in the morning. But I am Gordon Damer filling in and going to do my best to fight off the trivia questions. All right, now, I, I know that this is not generally the way Dave would do it, but I have very uh, a very narrow focus of things that even I know about. So, and, and I do have to bring up, you know, they do, I did one on, what was it, Thursday on DCR, and the answer, was, uh, the question was, what was Jerry's uh, apartment number in Seinfeld? And I think I said 5A and it was 5C, or I said 5C and it was 5A. I actually went back and looked. There's a bunch of different answers to that question. At one point, it was 3A. At one point, I think it was 411. Now, I did not answer any of those, so I didn't hit on any of the right answers, but the fact that the question was flawed, I feel like the question has to be thrown out. So I, do, I will not credit that on my all-time record. That one gets thrown out. So my, my all-time record is even better than whatever it is. I think it's like 82%. It's, it's impressive. Like, I'm like the backup quarterback. I'm trying not to lose the game, and, and in some ways, I'm kind of winning the game. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. All right, so um, I will ask Mike and Brian, what are the areas of focus of, like, John in North Bergen? What is his area of focus? Is it movies? Is it sports? Is it baseball, football? What is his area of focus? From what I remember, it was oh, baseball. Boy. All right. It was baseball. You, from what you remember, it just happened 10 seconds. <laughs> well, actually, I had screened him earlier. All right. Me. Let's go with the – if it's a baseball – we'll go wait, to no, John. Wait, no, it might be movies, actually. He oh, might be movies. Oh, boy. So Brian is letting the, dropping the ball already. <laughs> we'll go to John in North Bergen anyway. Let John, go ahead, my friend. You're first up on Stump Rothenberg. Hi, Gordon. How you doing, man? I'm good, John. What's going on, pal? Great Make show. it easy. Make, Great give me a show. layup. Give me a nice I'm start here. I'm a big here. fan. I'm a yes, big thank fan, you. too, man. I appreciate I'm a big fan. All right. No, it's movies, not baseball. Movies, not baseball. Okay, movies. All right, give it to me. All right. Uh, One of my favorites of all time, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Okay, give it to me. Love it. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, okay. All right. In that movie, what is the name of Zed's chopper or the name written on Zed's chopper or his motorcycle? Oh, God. Zed's chopper in... Hopefully. Yeah, there's a name. What's the name? <laughs> oh, Zed's Chopper in Pulp Fiction. Zed's Dead, Did baby. Did you see the movie? you seen oh, it, right? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Uh, I, okay. I love Quentin Tarantino. And I would say yes. um, that the only movie that is even uh, close to Pulp Fiction in my the, – uh, the one uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I have been sure. – why, I mean, it seems like that one's on all the time. Um, yeah. I remember it's a chopper. Oh, whose bike is it? It's not a, it's not a bike. It's a chopper. Oh, gosh. And Zed. It's Zed. You remember? Yeah, no. That's Zed. <laughs> I think it was a Harley Davidson, but I don't, I don't remember there being a, a name. Yes. <laughs> was it on the t- was it on like the tank or does he say the name? Yeah, on the tank. No, it was on the tank. Yes. <laughs> was it a girl's name? It was. I mean, if you, uh, yes. You're, you're on the right path. Yes. Oh, God. It was a name though. <laughs> was it Grace? All right, you got it. Oh, I, I got it. All right. But yes. I'm trying to, yeah, I, I was I, like, I wasn't sure it. if you were saying that it was said in the movie because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all the dialogue. I don't ever remember it being said, but yeah, it's like, it's like written in like, um, it's written on the, on the gas tank. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, okay. Sir. Yes, sir. All right, John. Well, you got look, it. You got thank it. you very much. That was not an easy question. That was a tough question. And that's a movie I've seen a thousand times. Um, but that was a tough one. That was tough. All right. And that was the easiest question. That, oh boy. This is, this is, this might be. This is going to be one and done, people. I'm perfect so far. Uh, let's go out to uh, who would we suggest next, Brian, if you can remember even what the questions they asked. I would say go to Chris and Beth Page. Chris and Beth Page. All right, Chris and Beth Page, you're next up on Stump Rothenberg. 
Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, Pulp Fiction, that was literally, you know, the movie was done not chronologically. It kept going back and forth. Right, so of course. That was literally, and I've asked people this before, that was literally the last scene chronologically of him pulling away and saying, dead, dead baby. That, you know, so chronologically, that's how the time. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. You're right. Go ahead. All okay. right, Chris. All right, so I got a baseball question for you. Baseball, all right. Much. This has to uh, be, let me see. Go ahead. All right, and I know you're a big Barry Bonds guy, right? So well, he yeah. hit the most homers. He hit the most homers after turning 40 years old. Who's mm-hmm. second? Most homers after turning 40. Right, Bonds most by homers. far has it. Right, yeah. Um, well, Hank Aaron would have to be up there. Let me think. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not, this is not an answer. This is talking through the question. No worries. I'm not going right. to say anything. Hank Aaron has to be up there. Now, let me ask you this. Is this a guy I know? Is this a guy I've seen play? Or is this somebody oh, who... Yes. Yes. I've yes. definitely seen this guy play. A hundred percent. Everyone's seen him play. He's an all-timer. And you've seen him. Well, it's got to be somebody who super- played to an old age. So Hank Aaron has to be up there. Uh, who else was old? Who else was old? Julio Franco was super old. He played forever. Is there any other... Is there any other guy who played to an old age? I'm trying to think of, like, steroid guys because, you know, there's a way that they would be able to do it. Um, I'll, tell you th- I'll tell you this. This guy definitely didn't use steroids. He's a character man going through After turning the age of 40... Hmm. Let me know if you want a hint. Yeah, give me a hint. Give me a hint, because I don't know. I don't All know right. that I'd get it ordinarily. All right. Um, he he played on two teams for his whole career, and um, it's funny. He was well known for playing on the first team, but he actually played longer on the second team. Carlton Fisk and. Uh, you got it, Carlton. Ah, Fisk. there we go. That was the hint got before me. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of guys who played to an old age. Julio Franco was one. Obviously, Dave Winfield was one. But you said the two teams. That kind of that pointed me in the right direction. Right. All right, Chris. Thank you, my friend. Uh, who do we go to next? Uh, let's go to Sal. Sal is in Duchess. Sal, give it to me, my friend. Good morning. Uh, I just real quick. You know how to keep your producers to stay? Give them more money. Right. Well, look, that's not my call. I I, I well, want them to stay well, as much as possible, but I am not going to pay them. That that's where well, I draw the line. Stick out your neck for them. <laughs> stick out your neck for them. Okay. I appreciate. Listen, that, so. this is going to be a layup. I know it's going to be a layup, but if it's too easy, let me yes. know. I change it up period. No, if it's not, I'll I'll pretend it's a super hard question. No, I I want layups. I'm just trying to get through this without embarrassing myself. All right, here we go. It's the movie Trading Places. Trading Places. In know it well. Give it to me. I know. I, I was told. See, so, that's a, that's a movie. movie. This a certain part. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I better not get myself in trouble, Sal. Go ahead. Trading Places. Okay. In the movie, yeah. Trading Places, there was one guy who had the, 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 the orange stock thing, you know, for right. the uh, production. Yeah, His, he got the, the, the orange crop. Was, Concentrated yes, frozen, frozen orange juice crop. Right. His last name was Beeks. Yeah. Beeks, Beeks, Beeks. Right. They said his name, first name once. What's his first name? Beeks' first name. Oh, my God. From Trading Places. Oh, my God. Oh, come on. You're teasing us, right? No. All right. Uh... It's when Eddie Murphy went in there with the check and said, who's this guy we're giving this check? Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, I know it, too. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Rudolph was the, was the, it wasn't Rudolph Beaks. That was the, the, no, the those Warner Bros. Rudolph. Uh, those were the brothers. Uh, Clarence. Clarence Beaks. You got it. Bang. <laughs> Have a nice holiday. All right, Sal, you too, my friend. These are far tougher. Quite, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just the lack of sleep, but these are – I should have got that one quicker. Clarence Beeks, I should have known. 
Uh, all right, one last one. Let, let's let's go down and, and make it a winner here. Uh, who do we go to, guys? Who do you want? And let's not end this on a loss here, guys. Let's let's you know you got to make your last shot on the basketball court. Scott is in Valley Stream. Scott, you're you're last up unless I get it wrong on uh, Stump Rothenberg. Okay, okay, Gordon. This question is for you. I think you're gonna know this one. Okay. Who was the first person to greet Derek Jeter when he crossed home plate after his three thousand career hit? Who was the first person to greet Derek Jeter after his 3,000th hit? <sighs> I, don't, I, I don't think I know this one. Um, I'm just going to take an educated... I'm just going to take an educated guess. I'm trying to think of the lineup. He hit the home run off of, uh, off of Price. Um, Final <sighs> I remember somebody shook his hand around first base, but you're saying home plate. Yeah, home plate. Yeah, yeah I don't think I know this one. Um, it's not going to be. I was even trying to think of the, the team itself at that time. Uh, I'm taking too much time. Um, Is it A-Rod? And I'm sure it's not A-Rod, but I'll throw out A-Rod. Go ahead. Give it to me, Scott. Who? You are not correct. Gordon. Okay. It's Who was it? Jorge Posada. Jorge Posada. That's a, yeah, I should have probably got that one because that was an, you know, you. that's his best friend and everything else. I probably should have gotten that one. That one I did not – was not even remotely close, and I was just taking up time trying to pull one out of my rear end. Uh, all right, I got to do one more. I can't go down on a loss here. Uh, Dave is in Bayside. Dave, you're next up on Stump, and maybe last up on Stump unless I get it wrong. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> okay, Gordon. Other than John Namath, name me a quarterback that played from the University of Alabama that made it to the Hall of Fame. Alabama quarterbacks who made it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, was Kenny Stabler Alabama? Correct. Bang! There we go. All right. Bart, Bart too. What's that? Say again? There's actually three of them. Bart uh, Starr was another one, too. So there's actually three of them. I'm only giving you one. So I got the, in my record books, I got the right answer. Uh, did we have? Oh, did he go? He's gone. All right, well, I knew Ken Stabler. Ken Stabler is one of only two left-handed quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, and I was fairly confident he went to Alabama. So uh, there you go. That's a very successful round of Stump Rothenberg. That's going to do it for today on Stump. Thank you for the calls. Thanks to all the guys back in the studio. I don't want you guys to say it and admit it back in the control room, but does it usually fly by this fast with Dave? I don't know. I'll say this. It can't fly by any faster than these two hours have flown by. I won't put you on the on the mar. I even Mike getting out the door here in 10 seconds. Uh, I won't put you on the spot, but I, I don't feel like the show could fly by any quicker than it has. It is uh, Gordon Damer filling in for Dave, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, another rousing uh, edition of Stump Rothenberg. I went, what, 5-1? and one? Yes, you did. So the rest one. of the weekend, uh, that is representative. I, uh, look, Dave, I know, has had perfect weeks. Uh, I can't be expected to, 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 to live up to that. But five and one, I feel like that is a very solid performance there. And I, I'll figure out over the weekend what the overall numbers are. It has to be high 80%. That's a pretty high clip. Um, but you know what? We've focused the first two hours a lot on the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner's comments. And if you want to get on it, look, look there's a lot of anger surrounding the Yankees right now. 1-800-919-ESPN. But I will just say this. I guess the main takeaway is, if you're wondering, what do the Yankees do? What changes do they make here? Or are they just simply going to go down with the ship? You got your answer this week. And the answer is they're going down with the ship. They're not making any major changes. Because again, while Hal said, yeah, he might consider exceeding the luxury tax threshold if the perfect deal came along. Keep in mind, think about the things that would need to happen for him to even consider it. What you're saying is I need all these things to happen before I even consider it, which means he's not considering it right now. So what would need to happen is the Yankees would have to kind of play far better than they have, which they've not been able to do with any level of consistency all year. They'd need to get back into contention to at least make a move worthwhile. That would mean they'd need several of their own hitters to start living up to what we think that they're capable of. You'd need a couple of the starters to kind of regain the form that they had earlier this year. You need the bullpen to stay as locked down as it is. You need there to be a piece, one piece, that is going to greatly add value to your team. And 
you'd have to find something on your team, in your organization, that you would be comfortable giving up on the trade front for a team that has, let's be honest, they've held on to their prospects close to the chest here over the last few years. So you've gotten your answer. And so anytime you see articles or you hear segments on the radio about, well, the Yankees could do this, they're not going to do anything. They have made that abundantly clear. Now, you don't have to like that. I don't like that either. But what you got the deal. You know what the deal is. You can't complain about what the deal is if you know what the deal is. Uh, so don't when the trade deadline pops up here in less than a month and the Yankees don't do anything, just don't be surprised. You can't be surprised. So we'll continue on with that, 1-800-919-ESPN. But um, let's talk a little bit about the NBA because tonight you get game six between the Hawks and the Bucks in Atlanta. And at this point, I have a very convoluted way that I'm looking at the playoffs. I think at this point, I am rooting for Atlanta to win this series. And tonight, uh, the Bucks can close out the series. The reason I'm rooting for Atlanta is because I think there's at least a chance that Trey Young comes back, either in this series. He's going to have to come back in this series for them to win. And I think he's questionable for tonight. But I'm rooting for Atlanta because I think there's at least a chance he does return. I can't see Giannis, after the injury that he suffered, returning in this series or really in the finals. So I'm certainly rooting for Atlanta tonight to at least force a Game 7, give it a few more days to see if Giannis can get back. But it's hard to have a whole high level of confidence that Atlanta can do that after they got smoked like they did in Game 5. Although, you would have to say, every time with the Bucks, you start to you know get on the bandwagon, well, you know, Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez and, and Drew Holiday – They always seem to disappoint. So it would not shock me if they did lose tonight and force a game seven. And I think if you're looking for an an entertaining NBA finals, that would be the best course, right? Allow this series to play out and have as many days off to allow Giannis or Trey Young to get as healthy as humanly possible so that whoever does match up against the Suns in the NBA finals, they at least have a fighting chance, at least a fighting chance. All right, so let's get to the NBA offseason because with the Knicks, that's what it's really about. And there's lots of names flying around. You saw that uh, there's, there's reports that teams are worried that Chris Paul is going to head to the Knicks. And um, that is one that, well, look, it's going to depend on what the terms are. I would not be shocked at that one at all. You know, the relationship between Leon Rose and Chris Paul and the fact that Paul has already turned down his extension moving forward means that he's going to be a free agent. You'd have to think if you turn down that extension – you know that there's another deal out there somewhere for you, and where else would that deal be more likely than with the Knicks? But the names that have come up here most prominently, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and you have people talking about Luka Doncic. Who's talking about Luka? I'm talking about, well, we'll get to that in a second. But let's start with Lillard, because uh, it does seem like that he is going to go somewhere, right? Since that report in Yahoo!, um, about that he's not happy with the, the chances of being able to build a title contender in Portland. Doesn't seem like he was consulted in terms of the new coaching hire there either. And with teams in the NBA, you talk about knowing the deal. You have two jobs when you're building a team. It's to acquire superstars in some way. And then job two is to keep those superstars happy. So I've been reading this book uh, that we talked about last week, Can't Knock the Hustle, and it's, ta- you know, it's about... Uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie landing in Brooklyn and how they run the show. They completely run the show and how the Nets knew the deal when they made the deal. And they'd still make the deal because that's the deal that you have to make if you're an NBA team. So Lillard, I think, already kind of has one foot out the door. The GM really didn't take his input when when hiring the next head coach. So it looks like he's gone. And that's that's probably the right move for him. He's not going to win there. And it's not really his fault that they didn't win there. Um, So the question is, should the Knicks be interested in Damian Lillard? And the answer is absolutely. Are you serious? Damian Lillard? Should the Knicks be interested in Damian Lillard? Yet, uh, yes. Yes, they should. I didn't even think that that would really be the question. Tom Thibodeau has made it clear, made it clear during the season, right? Superstars are tough to get. And if you get a chance to grab one, you go get them. And you have to be aggressive to do so. And Lillard, I'm not going to say that he's uh, a perfect choice, but it's pretty darn close. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd probably prefer him to be uh, a little bit younger than, than turning 31. But if it turns out 
that the that the Knicks have to make a deal that includes R.J. Barrett. Do you include R.J. Barrett? Yes, of course. I look. You know me. During the course of this year, before the trade deadline, we were having conversations. Did the Knicks be aggressive? Did they go out and make a trade? Did they add to this group? Or did they let it play out with this group, see where they get, and then make your moves in the offseason? And I was very much in favor for what the Knicks did. Make a tweak here or there, but largely let's keep this group together and let's see what they're at. So now you've had a season to have a little bit of a baseline. And I I love the progress that R.J. Barrett made over the course of the year, basically in every area of his game. But at the end of the day, the NBA is about superstars. And I'm not telling you that there's a deal that the Knicks could come up with, including R.J. Barrett, that would be enough for the Portland Trailblazers to trade them Damian Lillard. But if there is... Well, let's figure out what that's... Let's start at the end with yes and then work our way back to how we get to yes. Lillard is in his prime. He's a shooter. He's, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily rely on athleticism. So you would think that his game is going to age well. He's already locked into a new contract. He's not up for a contract next year. He's already locked into a new deal. So he's not a rental I can't understand how any Nick fan, and I get it, you, I guess to a degree you've been burned before because of maybe the mellow deal or you know, trying to sign the superstar and you're worried you're going you're gonna to give up too much to, to get that superstar. Lillard's the guy you've been looking for for 20 years. I mean, come on. Yeah, but it doesn't make us a top three team in the East. Well, <laughs> what do you want to do? Wait around until one, one singular trade makes you a top three team in the East? You've been waiting for forever. And Tom Thibodeau is not, he's not waiting around. Tom Thibodeau is Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Are they all here? Well, all but one. I, I'm going anyway. Tom Thibodeau is going anyway. He, it's not about five years from now with Tom Thibodeau. It's about now. And he was at least patient enough to get through this year's trade deadline without going out and, and trying to acquire veteran players. The NBA is the league where stars win. You need stars. And if the Knicks can swing a deal for Damian Lillard, <laughs> I wouldn't think that this would even really be a debate. Now, the problem really is, it's not about what would the Knicks give up or can you construct a deal. Lillard's frustrated in Portland. And I think part of it is, is that he wants to win a title. I'm not exactly sure what the link is for him to say, you know what, I can't take it in Portland anymore. Get me the Knicks on the phone. And that's kind of, uh, he, he's going to have some ability to, to uh, force his trade someplace because that's what always happens with these star players in the NBA. So I, I don't know what the connection is for him to say, you know what, I want to go to the Knicks. But if you can construct a team with Damian Lillard and, and, um, and Julius Randle, and again, like people will go back to the mellow deal. The problem with the mellow deal was not just the mellow deal. It was the Amari Stoudemire part of the mellow. Like you had Amari here. He was basically good for half a year and then he got hurt. And then you were capped out. The Knicks are still going to have plenty of room to operate. And it's not like there's all that much on the roster for the Knicks. It's a nice roster. But again, as you saw in the playoffs, good, hardworking, gritty teams they they only go so far at some point you need to land stars and I don't know that uh, that necessarily that that the Portland Trailblazers are going to be calling the Knicks right away but if they do well then by all means let's take that call and get down to business so that's the one name the second name that's kind of popped up is Donovan Mitchell Brian Windhorst had reported this week that uh, Dwayne Wade has some doubts of whether or not the Jazz can keep Mitchell long-term. And Mitchell's name is one that has come up before, mainly because the Knicks passed on him in the draft. Let's not go over ancient history, right? But he's 24 years old. He's from New York. I think his dad either worked for the Mets or still works for the Mets. Again, kind of like the other situation. I'm ready to go all in. The only problem with the Mitchell situation is it seems like it's long-term. It doesn't seem like it's something that's going to happen right now. It doesn't seem like, and this can always change because things change quickly in the NBA, doesn't seem like it's something that he is going to force his way out of Utah already. But again, 
if he is looking for a change of destination, well, by all that there, that's one that there does seem to be a connection. He grew up a Knicks fan. He's from New York. He still has ties here. So the number one thing on his list is winning big. And he wants to uh, not only an NBA finals, but an NBA title. Again, I'm not sure that the first call he's going to make is the Knicks, but he does have ties to New York. So that's certainly one that bears watching. It's just not the immediacy because I do think that for sure, Damian Lillard is going to be playing elsewhere next season. I think that the the Donovan Mitchell one is one that is going to go into next season and then maybe something long-term happens there. And if you're the Knicks, you've got to keep your eyes on all the, the next disgruntled superstar anytime one of these guys' names become available, and it doesn't seem like necessarily they might be available right this second. You've got to keep your fingers on the pulse, and that's, that is what you brought Leon Rose here to do. He's, he's a mover and a shaker, right? As a former agent, he's going he's gonna to have the, the finger on the pulse of the conversations that are taking place in the, in the, in the back rooms and, and, and what guys are, are looking to do in the future, not just the right now. And then, obviously, there's Luka Doncic, which, um, as much as I would love to be able to throw him in with the first two, you can't. But as I got back to early saying, right, number one is to, to find these superstars, and the second one is to, to keep them happy. I'm not saying that, that Luka is not happy, but there is um, nothing that is going on there. But the hiring of Jason Kidd, boy, that seems like a, a strange way to go. And I get it. It's, it's the former player. He's a former Mavericks player, big guard. So there's a connection there. It's just that you've seen Jason Kidd's last two stops. And in year one with Brooklyn, he, he got into like a power struggle after the season, forced his way to Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee was coming off like a really, I think they were like a 12 or 15 win team. And then he got into respectability. But that was it. I mean, he was essentially a 500 coach in Milwaukee. And, and since he left, they've taken it to the next level. And the problem with that is, like, it's easier to take over the team that won 15, 16 games and get them to respectability. He goes to Dallas, and they're expecting him to take the next step. It's not just about going to the playoffs. It's now about winning playoff rounds. So Luka is a guy who's clearly going to be in the conversation for the next face of the NBA and if you could have only one guy that's available, you could just pick. He would be the guy. So that's going to obviously bear monitoring as well because if Luka Doncic ever becomes available, boy, I would think that just about every NBA team would certainly be interested. You're listening to the Dave Rothenberg Show podcast on ESPNNewYork.com.